0: Uh, Whoops! Excuse me. It's a mess up here today. All right, uh, be calling my mom here in just a minute for uh, another story about my sin. I know you guys enjoy that, but remember, the point of this was to teach you how when I was a kid, I used to always be afraid of my mom coming home because she would catch me doing stuff, and it was it was a natural transition to be afraid of my mom coming home to, as a Christian who struggled with sin, to be afraid of Jesus coming back. And so that's why we have the title of the series, My Mother and the Return of Jesus. Not that my mom is Jesus, but she certainly could recompense upon my head the wrath of Jesus at her. So let's, let's give mom a call and uh, speaker. remember last week she was next to the toilet so we gotta be careful hey mom how are you today
1: i'm fine how are you
0: i'm very good say hi to the church
1: hi to everyone and hi sweet lauren has been there
0: no they're not here today they they're mad at me so oh, oh okay no i'm just kidding All right. Just kidding. so so do you, ha- okay. <laughs> do, you, do you have a story today for the church i do but i want to preface it by you know last
1: week i had a hard time finding a place to you know to talk to you at church so Every place I went to, they were having Sunday school. So I'm in the cemetery. Um, it's really, it's it, it's really quiet in the cemetery. Almost too quiet when you're my age. But um, <laughs> but, very, but very actually, good. there actually is a meeting here, but it's the meeting of mosquitoes. So that's the not mosquito. too bad. But, but but anyway, yes, I wanted to tell you today um, another one of Joey's. I guess trials, but, you know, we had some rules in our house, and I probably didn't start out with those last week, but I worked rotating shifts, and sometimes I did have to work the day shift, and the the rule was um, no friends are, are and came into the house when we weren't there. Nobody answered the door, and you didn't cook anything or turn anything on. Well, we all know that one failed a little bit last week. Okay, so um, this week we'll talk about the one about no friends in the house. So, Joey knew that, and the other kids knew that. So, anyway, I came home early one day from time work, two hours early, in fact, and there were no kids in the house. He, he you know, he followed that rule, but he had them all in the pool in the backyard. I just totally, totally freaked out at that, because I'm always afraid. I work spinal cord injury, afraid somebody's going to dive and hit their head. So, nobody was allowed to be there, or especially in the pool when I wasn't there, but you know, Joey, he didn't have him in the house. He had him in the pool. That's right. So that's that's, that's kind of the way things went, and I will leave the rest of it up
0: to Joey. Well, thank you, Mom, very much for the story. We'll talk to you next week, okay?
1: Okay, love you. Love you, too. Um, Bye. Joey, by the way, I got one more thing.
0: Go ahead. Uh-oh. Hello? Yeah, go ahead.
1: Um, it's my birthday this week. I know that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Thanks, Mom. Bye. 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 <laughs> well the rest of that story is um i got to know the every corner of my room very well over the next month and a half because i wasn't allowed to leave it for quite some time so you guys get the story about that and so remember <clears throat> the point that i'm trying to get across is for years i think a lot of people have adulterated and corrupted and soiled the theology of the return of Jesus and turned it into this stick they beat Christians over the head with so they can you know get a lot of guilt out of them and, and stir them to action out of guilt or, or fear and because of that for years as I grew up as a Christian as, a, as an early young Christian God saved me when I was in ninth grade as I grew up I started developing this habit of being afraid of Jesus's return and I shared with you guys a little a couple of videos last week uh, about what it should look like and about how the return of Jesus should be seen not as a looming day of doom, but an emotional reunion. And I showed you three video clips, and I'm going to show them for you again today, just so you can see them and get a feel for it, just so you understand the emotion that should be behind the Lord's return. And it's, this is the emotion that should replace that idea of fear. So why don't we roll those? What you're about to see now
1: was a surprise for a little boy whose dad has been in Iraq. The scene is a small town in northwest Washington state. U.S. Navy Ensign Bill Hawes, who spent the past seven months deployed to Iraq, decided to surprise his six-year-old
0: son John at school. John didn't know it till he laid eyes on his dad.
1: It took young John a long time to stop crying, but when he did, he mustered the courage to introduce his dad to his classmates, who had all written
0: him letters while he was deployed. It's tough to take, but welcome home. We're back with more right after this. So, uh, for those of you that missed last week, you have to cry this week. So, but, but guys, that is what the Lord's return should be to us. That is the concept that I want to try to leave you with in this series. Is we want to cast off the the untheological idea that God's children who he died for because he knew they were sinners, he knew they needed forgiveness, he knew they needed redemption, so he sent his son to die on the cross and then rise again and then come back in his triumphant return to get them because he loved them. We're not supposed to be afraid of that. We're supposed to love that, embrace that, and have the joy of that transform our actions. Because if you think about it, look at this passage, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden or heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Does that sound like fear to you? Does that sound like God's chosen, loved, redeemed children should quake in fear and dread of His return? See, if a child of God lives in the fear of the Lord's return, I believe it's because they are unaware of all the necessary and glorious things that come with it. Remember last week I shared there are two applications of the Lord's return. One, if you're not a child of God, then there is that concept of of, uh, accountability and that fear is there, yes. But if you have entered into a relationship with Heavenly Dad through the work of Christ on the cross, you don't have to sit in fear. Because there are so many things that the Lord's return does for us. The first thing I want to show you, is it takes the clock to zero can you imagine your favorite football team is playing a big game let's say it's a championship and you're winning and the clock never goes to zero like after a while some bad stuff's gonna start happening right and you see What the Lord's return does in this drama of redemption that we see unfolding before us, the work of Christ and the work of the Spirit of God in our lives and the cross and and the disciples and the Apostle Paul and, and church history and all these things as we've battled and struggled and strived against this world system that works to try to go against our faith is that one day what the Lord's return does is it takes that clock to zero and the game is over. And the victor can be declared. See, he suffered in humiliation, dying a brutal death for the sins of his people, but he returns an all-conqueror, all-conquering conqueror, all redeemer king. Philippians 2, 9-11. I'm just going to read it to you. Therefore God has highly exalted him and put, him, put his name above all names. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so the first thing that the Lord's return does is it takes the clock to zero. We're not going to be in this endless football game of field goals and touchdowns and first downs and extra points and interceptions and sacks and fumbles. It's going to end with a final score and guess what? We win. The next thing it does is the evil that's in this world and the evil that is in us is squashed. Let me read this from Romans 7, verses 18 to 25. For I know that nothing, this is what Paul says, I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good work I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Can anybody relate to that? Or is it just me? Just me. (laughs) You're such godly people. (laughs) Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right... Evil lies close at hand, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. I hunger for it, he says, but I see in my members, or my body, another law that's waging war against the law of my mind and my heart, and it's bringing me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my body. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death, thanks Be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. See, that's what Paul, does he not just do a masterful job there of laying out for you the inner struggle that's when all of us? And that struggle is different for some. For some it's rebellion, for some it's dishonesty, for some it's addictions, for some it's immorality. There are different types of laws of sin that war within our body and they go against the things that are in our mind that we want to embrace. And Paul lays out this panoramic view and he says, this is what I struggle with, how about you? And he says, I just long for somebody to come in and rescue me from all that crap. See, what he does is he takes care of the evil in us and in the world legally. Let me read a passage in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. I'm just going to read it real quick. And you who are dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of the flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven those sins. By canceling, get this, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us, and all of its legal demands he set this aside nailing it to the cross he disarmed the rules and disarmed the laws and put them together in open shame and triumphed over them so the first thing the Lord's return does when it comes to the evil is legally it takes care of it we were guilty and he says, I'm setting that aside I'm taking the death of Christ on the cross and legally I'm telling you you're okay with the evil The other thing he does, historically, through the progression of the gospel, I'm just going to read you another passage. But in, and you think, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 20 through 23, it says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by one man also comes the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ will all be made alive. So there's a historical component to this. He goes to the past and he says, look, it all started with Adam. There was his historical point where sin took over. And yes, he legally declares us free and clear through the blood of Christ. But then historically, he goes back to the fact, look, by one man, sin entered. But by one man, redemption and restoration and resurrection comes. Jesus. So there's the historical aspect of him squashing sin evil and sin and there's one more aspect it's the eternal aspect in revelation chapter 20 verse 10 and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever and so when christ comes back with his second return not only legally are we declared clean not only historically has he taken away that evil But eternally, it's done. There's not going to be another football game where we fight evil. Some of y'all just freaked out. What? No more football? Just an illustration, people. Take it easy. And so I want to make sure you understand those are some of the things the return of Jesus does and there's so much more I could go into. But the second half of my message today is I think the more important aspect that I want you to focus on. And that is, without the return of Jesus, we would still suffer with some of these things. And what I'm going to share with you now, and remember, my goal is to get you to leave after this series no longer being afraid of this elusive, troubling, burdensome, misunderstood theology of Jesus' return. Cast off the fear, if you're a child of God, and embrace it like your dad is coming home from war and you haven't seen him for years. The first thing, we would have redemption without completion. I'm going to read you another passage today. Acts chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke of his holy prophets long ago. Could you imagine... If there was no return of Jesus, how our redemption would be incomplete? It's like um, late spring, right? You're watching your favorite show on one of the networks, right? Mine was lost. I used to love that show, right? Anybody else would just, I love. And every show was a cliffhanger, right? But you always had the next week. But then, the last one in the series, or last one in the, in the season would be, you know, like in late May or whatever, and then it's done until like next March. And I'm thinking, that sucks. I want to know what's happening. Guys, that's what our redemption would be like without the return of Jesus. This big climactic event where we come together and there's this exciting thing, and then nothing. The second thing we would have to suffer with is creation and Christians eternally groaning. We talked about this a few minutes ago about Paul talking about the struggle. Let me read this from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1 through 4. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, but it is eternal in the heavens. For in this current tent, and he talks about our body and where we're living in this fallen world as a tent, for this in this current tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for a while we are still in this tent, and we groan, and we suffer, and we're burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal I love this phrase. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. Do you guys see that picture? Guys, focus with me here. What is mortal will be swallowed up in life. But without that... We sit here and we groan and we struggle with this endless trying of looking and seeking for fulfillment and joy and satisfaction. The right job, the right situation, the right feeling. Oh, my favorite song came on the radio. Oh, it's gone. That's kind of what life is like without the return of Jesus. And the scripture says the creation continues to groan. We talked about that last week. And so without the return of Jesus, we are going to be continually groaning and suffering and burdened with this flesh that has the law of sin in it, that wars with the law of grace that's in our heart, and we're going to continually groan with the world around us that is working against us to destroy our faith. No relief. Yesterday, I was riding my bike. I do a long bike ride on Saturday, you know, just to kind of clear my mind. It's about 30 miles, right? And so the first 15 miles were really good, man. I was flying, and of course, the wind was at my back. And man, I'm thinking, man, this is easy. I could do 40 miles today, you know? Then I turned around. Oh, boy. That was the longest 15 miles of my life. I mean, I was pedaling, the wind is blowing, and, it's, and I thought, man, is this ever going to end? This is a constant struggle, and God kind of gave me the thought, that's what it would be like if there were no return. Constantly riding against the wind. Also, we'd have a redemption that's spiritual only, with no physical dimension. And I think this is going to challenge some of you. Romans eight eleven. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells. I'm going to read another passage, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, then I'm going to just explain them. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. You may not grieve as others who have no hope. talking about those whom we love who've died. Those who have no hope, they grieve because For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then all who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the passage that is a lot of times adulterated and, and used to speak and teach about like a half return called the rapture that's not a half return that's a complete return a complete full resurrection and what we see here is without the lord's return our redemption would be spiritual and we have this spiritual aspect right where we have this connection we know there's a spirit in us and paul talks about the fact that i have the spirit of god in me but it's warring with the spirit of sin that's in me and so there's law of grace and the law of sin they're fighting and all these things and what we understand now with the Lord's return as we look at those passages is that our our salvation and our redemption is not just our souls. That's just half of it, guys. And yes, we receive some benefit on earth with the spirit that has saved us, but our real redemption comes when spirit and body are both redeemed and restored flawlessly, sinlessly, perfectly together before God, in front of the face of Christ. And so without the Lord's return, our redemption would only be spiritual and there'd be no physical component. Listen, folks, this is important. The return of Jesus is not one that should be feared, but you should be glad you're not going to be fat anymore. I can eat as many Pop-Tarts as I want. Thanksgiving every day. (laughs) Never having to ride against the wind. No more warring with the sin that's in my life. The law of grace will reign supreme in every member of my body. My hand will no longer betray me, my eyes will no longer betray me, my lust and my flesh will no longer betray the law of grace that's in my heart. My redemption will be complete. I will no longer groan. And my redemption will not only be this spiritual aspect, but my physical body will be restored as well. I won't have to work out anymore. It's going to be awesome. And for us, as a church, if we live in day-to-day fear of this amazing theology of the return of jesus guys i believe we miss out on so much of the possible joy that we could have in our life we miss out on it and we live a half-filled christian life because we've gotten this bad theology in our mind that says oh the lord's returning; you better be ready guess what you are going to be ready Because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And the scripture says, He has not given us the spirit of fear and bondage. And he says, All those who he saves, right? He creates good works that they should stumble into them. And the concept is this if God has saved you, he will get you ready. And that day, as the song that the band was playing, I'm running to your arms. When the Lord comes back, if you're a child of God, there's not going to be, oh, my, oh, I better rock. Uh, give me another day, Jesus. Give me like 24 hours. I'll be there. And I won't miss the boat. No. As soon as we know, we're going to be there. Oh, man, I can't wait. Because my redemption will be complete. I won't be groaning anymore in this fight between sin and grace. And my physical body will be restored. So how do we finish this? As children of God, the return of Jesus should not hold fear for us, but should be longed for as if we were in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you as though I lived in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Guys, that's where we are. The wind is constantly against us. There's a constant war of sin and grace in our body. And we should long to see Jesus. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you because I live in a desert and I need a drink. He's not talking about the spiritual body, is he? He makes it very clear the picture that David points out in Psalm 63 is a physical longing and desire that my friends is the ultimate the penultimate enjoyment physical emotional or spiritual the return of jesus so as i leave you today with this last point I want to make sure you hear clearly what I'm saying. If you don't know Jesus, then the return perhaps could be troubling for you. But if you know him, love it. Embrace it. Last illustration. I hate preseason football. You know why? Because it just reminds me it's not regular season. And the way the Bucks are playing, I'm thankful it's not regular season. But there's this anticipation as a big football fan, and some of you can relate to this. Mid-August, you know, it's hot, and, I, and baseball's already boring me. You know, I'm not into hockey. You know, golf, come on, please, give me a break. Football. And football season is coming. And I can't wait, I have three, four weeks, two more weeks, one more week. I make sure my Sunday ticket subscription is in order. I've got that squared away. The TV's in the right place. And it's a month ahead of time. And I'm excited about it. And I'm ready for football's return. Why? Not because I'm afraid of it, but because I love it. And I can't wait for it to get here. Yes, my team's gonna stink. I know that already. but I love it anyway, and I can't wait for kickoff. That's the Lord's return.